Welcome to The Surge, a podcast about all things AmSurge and the ambulatory surgery center industry, where we share insight, news, and conversations relevant to our nationwide network of centers. And now, here's today's host, AmSurge Vice President of Quality and Clinical Services, Nina Goins. Thank you for joining us today on The Surge. Our guest is Dr. Dominique Howard. Dr. Howard completed her undergraduate education at Georgetown University, her doctor of medicine at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. She completed her internal medicine residency as well as a fellowship in gastroenterology at George Washington University Medical Center. Dr. Howard is board certified in gastroenterology and a fellow of the American College of Gastroenterology. She is a member of the American Gastroenterological Association, the American Society of Gastrointestinal Endoscopy, and the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Along with being a partner at Chevy Chase Endoscopy Center and the Endoscopy Center of Washington, D.C., she serves on the medical staffs of George Washington University Hospital and Sibley Memorial Hospital. Dr. Howard, welcome to The Surge. Thank you so much for having me here, Nina. Please tell our listeners a little about yourself and your center. Well, my name is Dominique Howard. I'm a gastroenterologist at Capital Digestive Care in Washington, D.C. and Maryland. We have partnered with AmSurge for many years in taking care of patients and delivering quality health care. And I've actually been working with AmSurge since I completed my training years ago. Nice. How did you become interested in medicine and what led you to specialize in GI? I've always been interested in medicine and wanting to take care of people in need and people who are sick. And I went into GI in particular as I saw a need for women and women of color to go into gastroenterology as the specialty was very male dominated um, at the time of my training. The United States Preventative Services Task Force made headlines recently with its recommendation to lower the screening age for colorectal cancer from 50 to 45. What are your thoughts on this guidance? Um, I was thrilled when I saw that the United States Preventative Services Task Force supported that. The world, as you know, had been recently saddened when our beloved actor Chadwick Boseman lost his battle with colorectal cancer at the age of 43. We are unfortunately seeing an increase in colorectal cancer in younger patients. So the rise in colorectal cancer among younger people has prompted experts such as the United States Preventative Services Task Force, the American Cancer Society, as well as our GI societies to lower the recommended age of colon cancer screening to 45 for the general population and even younger for at-risk populations. With this rise in early onset colon cancer, how can gastroenterologists and referring physicians better prepare themselves and their patients? Well, one thing is to educate the population and really be aware of risk factors for anyone having colon cancer. So those risk factors include having inflammatory bowel disease, personal or family history of colorectal cancer and colorectal polyps a genetic colorectal syndrome in the family, or Lynch syndrome. Lifestyle factors also contribute to an increased risk of colon cancer. Those things include a lack of physical activity, obesity, 
Um, those are both things, by the way, we've seen more during this pandemic as we've seen more people gaining weight as their lifestyle has become more sedentary. People are working from home. Um, they're not as active in, in some cases. Other factors that increase the risk of colorectal cancer include high-fat diet, a diet that's low in fiber, and a diet that's low in fruits and vegetables, as well as increase in alcohol consumption and tobacco use. Colon cancer is preventable and treatable, and it's also beatable. This is because colonoscopies can find precancerous polyps. Polyps are abnormal growths in the colon or rectum, and they can be removed before turning into a cancer. So having a colonoscopy and having a screening exam helps to find colorectal cancers at an early stage when treatment often leads to a cure. And it's important to get screened regularly for colorectal cancer because colon polyps and colorectal cancer do not always cause symptoms. So many people are walking around totally asymptomatic and they could be at risk for colon cancer. So all of these things in terms of educating our community as well as our physicians will help to increase awareness and getting more people screened at a younger age. Colorectal cancer can reach anyone, but studies show that African-Americans are about 20% more likely to get colorectal cancer and 40% are more likely to die from it than other groups. What are some of the reasons for this? So we don't know why that is. There are multiple factors that may lead to that, and I'll elaborate on that in a minute. African-Americans, as you mentioned, and in particular African-American males, have a higher risk of colon cancer. We know that African-Americans are more likely to be underscreened and have a 40% more likely chance of dying from colon cancer. The factors that we know that can account for some of this include socioeconomic status, access to healthcare, healthcare awareness, and lack of physician recommendation. I understand you've spearheaded our involvement in local community outreach events. Could you talk more about that effort and the importance of involvement with a variety of activities, specifically getting information to people where it's most and best received? Sure. Capital Digestive Care has always had an active and local presence with outreach in the African-American community in colon cancer screening awareness. Uh, this is very important to me as we have the amongst the highest risk of colon cancer, as I mentioned. Uh, most recently, I'm one of the chairs and founders of the Capital Digestive Care Committee for Racial Justice. In this committee, I've helped to develop initiatives that will provide additional care and education to the underserved in our community. One of our goals is to provide education and to mentor students to foster more African-Americans in health care. I'm so excited about these programs and we hope to advance these initiatives within our community and our specialty. Capital Digestive Care has also participated in barbershop and beauty shop outreach opportunities where we've educated minority communities. We've partnered with predominantly African-American churches and we've done programming through radio stations with a predominantly minority audience. We have partnered with AmSurge in some of our advertisement outreach and media and website outreach where we've done interviews and educational programs and webinars with our capital digestive care physicians. We've also had a chance to interview and sort of broadcast testimonials from our African-American patients. 
basically to increase awareness across the board in our community. And more recently, to facilitate access to health care for minorities, Capital Digestive Care again partnered with AmSurge and offered screening colonoscopies to the African-American community on a Saturday with no cost to uninsured individuals. And we ended up choosing a Saturday in order to increase access to having colonoscopies. As we know that access to healthcare is a barrier to the lack of screening in minority groups. We had a great success with this program and we plan on doing this again. So in addition, what made this outreach special was, you know, safety was an issue or at least a perceived issue with a lot of uh, our patients. And the fact that we were using personal protective equipment, we were testing all of our patients, testing all of our staff. We did this outreach before many of our patients had had the opportunity to get the vaccine for COVID-19. And so it ended up being a great way to get people to access healthcare and not delay healthcare, which is something that we've seen during this pandemic for multiple reasons and has led to negative medical consequences. So because of this initiative, we were able to avoid delaying healthcare for many individuals. That is really great to hear and so important, all that you talked about. But are there some smaller steps healthcare professionals as well as community members can take to help break down these disparities? Well, education is key. So being able to outreach to your community, sometimes just handing out flyers, you know, those are smaller steps. You know, we, we've educated other healthcare providers in within the gastroenterology community uh, in terms of having more educational materials for patients, whether it's on their website, whether they're handouts in the waiting room, and basically just having conversations with patients as far as the importance of screening and also a family history. Those things are very important and things that a lot of times people won't discuss. Changing gears, Lancet reported in December 2019 that only 15% of practicing gastroenterologists are women, only 30% of fellows. What barriers did you face and what advice do you have for other female gastroenterologists that are coming behind you? Well, let's just say I broke barriers, I guess <laughs> that would be a way of phrasing it. I was actually the first woman hired in my group and there were 13 men at the time. So there weren't a lot of women in gastroenterology, even though we're in a major city of Washington, D.C., believe it or not. You know, I was motivated to go into it. I think the great thing that I'm seeing is more and more women are going into the specialty of gastroenterology over the years. This was previously, as I mentioned, a very largely male-dominated specialty. And so we're seeing the statistics change. I encourage any woman who has an interest to pursue a career in gastroenterology and anyone who thinks they may have an interest to get some exposure to gastroenterology, perhaps shadow a gastroenterologist or do research in the field to see if it sparks an interest. Those were things that I did also and sort of helped me to get more exposure to gastroenterology at a younger age. And another bit of advice is to take science courses if you're in high school and college. This will help you get some exposure and give a strong foundation for a career in medicine and GI. So those are things, and we're also working on outreach programs in local high schools to try to encourage 
more students to, you know, pursue a career in science and gastroenterology. Could you talk a bit more about your advocacy work and the broader scope of digestive diseases? Sure. Thank you for asking. Capital Digestive Care has done a lot of advocacy work with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. We have a strong relationship with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and have partnered with them in doing educational webinars to our patients with Crohn's and colitis, educating them in terms of uh, treatment options, awareness. We also have a very robust research department that highly focuses on Crohn's and colitis and offers patients, you know, leading treatment, sort of cutting edge treatment on Crohn's and colitis. So we have a lot of experience with this. We have some providers who in particular specialize in this. We're very fortunate to have this relationship with Crohn's and colitis and able to provide this service to our local community as well with inflammatory bowel disease. Um, Capital Digestive Care has also helped in fundraising for patients with Crohn's and colitis. We've been able to do a lot of fundraising through the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation for this cause. And so we feel very strongly about educating patients with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, as well as making sure patients get adequate treatment for this. Could you elaborate some more about the importance of family history? Sure, Nina. That's a great question. I feel that family history is so important. Basically, many people we're finding are not that forthcoming about their history. So oftentimes, we'll see patients who are diagnosed with colon cancer, even young patients, or, or they have significant colon polyps, and we'll ask them about their family history at the time, and they'll answer us that they don't, they're not aware of anybody in their family having colon cancer or polyps. However, when they go back to their family and have a discussion, oftentimes they'll come back and say, you know what, I do have s- some people in our family who have had colon polyps, and in some cases even colon cancer. Um, And it may be distant family members, but it may be multiple second-degree relatives who have had colon cancer. So a lot of times, and this can be also generational as well, people may not be that forthcoming about calling family members and saying, hey, I had a colonoscopy and I was found to have a polyp. Or, you know, that they know that somebody else in the family had colon cancer. So I always encourage my patients to have these conversations Um, especially in times where you may be seeing other family members, you know, for example, like in Thanksgiving, um, if people are seeing more of their family members, you know, sit down and don't be afraid to bring up this conversation in terms of family history. Has anybody had colon cancer or polyps in the family? Because a healthcare provider will look at you differently if we know that you're more at risk because of your family history. So that's another thing that will lead to better medical care and better screening is if we have a better sense of what's going on in the family. Dr. Howard, thank you so much for your time today and for your partnership with AmSurge. And thank you to our listeners. Join us next time for another episode of The Surge. Thank you for listening to The Surge. If you have any questions about this podcast or suggestions for future episodes, please contact us at communications at amsurge.com.